Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode two of Who Can It Be Now podcast. So I have to tell you that when I had this beautiful idea in my head, let's do a podcast, let's tell stories, um, let's teach people through stories the way that I love teaching people in my programs how to do stories. And I'm talking about my uh, programs, Membership for Your Soul and Soul Finder Academy. I was thinking, man, I have so much to say. I just, I'm just going to fill this podcast up. And then after doing the first episode, I'm like, oh man. I've got to like, I got to pull this together. I do have a ton of stories, but you think they're going to be so much longer than they are. And I'm not a long, long storyteller. I really, you know, you meet those people and they drag out the stories and you're like, you just get to the point. Um, And then I was like, oh, darn, man, I'm going to have to go back to my journals and start remembering what happened because I've forgotten a lot of it. So I channel, I'm going to share a little bit about my channeling, and then we are going to go into the doors locking story. So I channel, and the way that I channel is um, I'm basically in the room, but I'm, I'm pretty much like I'm almost in the corner of the room watching. So I don't do complete on trans mediumship where they are taking me over. I am not allowing that crap to happen. Sorry, you're not getting to do that. But I do it where I'm semi-conscious, but I don't remember what I say. Even in readings, people would say, you know, you told me blah, blah, I won't remember anything. I don't remember the people. It usually took like until they came back to me like five times before I remembered who they were. Oh, by the way, did I say this Marilyn Aloria? This Marilyn Aloria. Anyway, with that said, I'm not going to stop and re-record this. I'm just not doing that. I'm just going to go for it. When I channel, I put a recorder on and I have a little mic that I put on my shirt And I have guides. I know my guides really, really well. I'm going to teach you about guides and why I think it's super important to have a relationship with your guide, to know where they're standing, know who they are. I can't tell you how many times I hear people say to me, they're talking to their guides. And I'm like, who are your guides? And like, oh, I don't know. It's the fairies. It's the gnomes. And then then I listen to the guidance that they get. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know who you're talking to, but that's not good advice. So you want to make sure you're talking to a good guide. But I sit in my meditation room and I open up to them and then I ask them questions. So I'll ask them questions in the recorder and then I let them, um, then I repeat what they say to me. It's a kind of a clairaudient thing for me too. So if I'm saying, you know, should I go out to dinner tomorrow night? I'll ask that out loud and they'll say, no, don't go out to dinner with that person. They're really horrible for you. But they would never say that, but I'm just giving you a thing because they don't talk badly about people. They teach you. They would, I would then repeat, they just said, they said not to go out to dinner because it's not for my best, um, it's not the best for me right now. So I'll get more and more into that, how I channel and how it works. But the reason why I bring it up is I'm realizing I have like hundreds of recordings because I don't remember any of it. And I'm going to have to start listening to them so that I could share the stories because they're documentation of my life too. And then I have journals for my whole life. So when I really get into the story about the Hollywood actor who um, I went into clear a space, a restaurant, and saw this spirit on the floor in a pool of blood, and then we found out who it was and I gave all this information, I'm going to really have to go to the journals and share that with you. So... I'm taking up a little space, but hopefully that teaches you something because my goal is to always teach something through my storytelling and hopefully entertain you. Because I know when I'm listening to podcasts, I want to be entertained and not just be in intensity and deepness and all that kind of, it's not my world. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about the first time I got locked in a room. So I was living in Chelsea, living in Manhattan still. It was, I believe, after 9-11. Again, the time gets really blurred when you start going into this work. But how many of you really recall, you know, did that happen when I was 26 or 35? I don't remember. You know, it's really hard to remember those things. But I was living alone. My boyfriend had moved out and we were still really, really close. And um, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of, a lot of emotional pain because my whole world collapsed. I had, I had, was working at NBC Olympics. This is before the story I'm going to tell you. And as when I was in NBC Olympics, I was the senior profiles manager where I did get an Emmy for, I think it was the Ali movie. I should really remember that, right? Anyway, I was the senior profiles manager. I had an incredible job at NBC. They were wonderful to me, but I was miserable. I was crying every single day. I hated it. So at that time, I was pursuing acting. And I decided that NBC would be my last job once my contract was up and I would pursue acting for a full-time job. So my goal then when I was at NBC was like, I'm going to be a full-time actress and I want to get married. And I really, really worked on myself. I was in a ton of therapy. This is before 9-11. This is back in like 1996. Um, I was in a ton of therapy and really working on myself. And I was doing a ton of acting classes. And that was my dream. That was my goal. I wanted to act for a living and I wanted to get married. I, my NBC contract ends. I go out and start auditioning. I start getting parts right away. And my first big open call is for Tina and Tony and Tina's wedding. And I get it. So now I'm acting for a living and I'm getting married every night. Not what I meant. But in that show, I met my boyfriend and we moved in together in Chelsea. I was living in Soho and we started living together and then we moved to Chelsea. And all of this really is going to play out in this podcast. I promise you I'm not giving you fluff or one of those people who's now taking forever to get to the story. Um, and we, it was everything. Everything came true except one piece. My third piece was, I want inner peace. And I'll never forget sitting at my birthday dinner and with my friends, and I had a lot of friends in New York because I was from Brooklyn, raised in Brooklyn and living in Manhattan. And my boyfriend, Chris, was there. That was his name. And um, and I told everybody the story about how I set out to get three things, to act for a living, to fall in love and get married, and inner peace. And I realized in that moment, I got the first two, but I didn't get the inner peace. And that's when everything fell apart. Chris and I broke up, but we were still really, really close, tied at the hip, like such close, good friends. But I was still like incredibly in love with him. And I decided to leave Tony and Tina's wedding and my acting world started falling apart, though I was doing independent films. And I was living in Chelsea, and then I was just miserable. I was drinking a lot, coming home, hysterically crying on the floor, just feeling like everything just went away. And I remember one morning I got up after a night of crying on the hallway floor, because that's where I seemed to like to be, either on the hallway floor or the bathroom floor, pancaked out crying. And I remember getting up in the morning and opening up my door, and outside my door were this beautiful decoration on my doorstep 
of white flowers and this is an inside hallway and a very 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 small building there was only one other tenant besides me and I can guarantee it wasn't him and then the beautiful landlords that lived upstairs and downstairs they were just beautiful people beautiful white flowers with red petals laid out so perfectly on my doorstep as like a gift to me and it freaked me out because I was like who the freak put that there because I'm living in New York City but I also knew that somebody was looking out for me. Somebody wanted me to know that it was going to be okay, that my pain was going to go away. And I remember going to the gym, and this was before cell phones, and calling Chris up and going, you got to come over. Something's going on. Something weird is happening. And he came over, and when, when I came, went back home, and he was there, and the flowers were, like, kind of shuffled around and almost gone, and... It was a big moment for me, even though I didn't realize it. Now, of course, somebody physically did it, and I have a feeling it was my landlord that was living above me. But because they were such beautiful people, and they must have heard me crying in pain every night. But what was more for me was knowing that there's an unseen energy that's always protecting us and helping us and supporting us if we're choosing to pay attention. And that's what I teach my students is you're not alone and how to lean into that unseen force because it supports you, it helps you, it's constantly communicating with you about what to do, where to go, who to talk to, what to say. But I wasn't fully conscious to it. Now, things were happening for me, some crazy stuff was happening. When Chris and I were living together, um, my friend brought back, the same friend who was with me in the emergency room, brought back these three statues from, I can't remember where she was. It might have been Tibet. It might have been Vietnam. I don't remember. But she brought back these three statues. And Chris had put them in this closet, this china closet thing with a glass covering in the living room. And I would constantly say to him, there is something wrong with those statues. We have got to get rid of them. There is something wrong with them. And they would be standing perfectly. Chris had a way of making our apartment beautiful. He really was the person who introduced me to what it was like to have a home. It was just beautiful. I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and he'd be painting beautiful flowers on the wall. And I'd be like, what the frick are you doing? <laughs> and like, I was not the type of person that would notice things. He would rearrange furniture and make it beautiful and I wouldn't even notice and would drive him nuts. So everything was beautifully displayed in this cabinet and these three statues and I am getting somewhere. And I would tell him, we've got to get rid of them. There's something wrong with them. And he's like, well, how do we get rid of them? And I'm like, you've got to put them in a brown paper bag. And we've got to throw them out somewhere. It's got to be a plain brown paper bag. Now, I don't know where any of this was coming from. But it was an intuition that I knew I had to do that. I had to get rid of them that way. And he would be like, all right. Like, he was so supportive of me. But we never did it because I didn't even want to touch the friggin' things. One day I came home and I'm sitting on the couch and we're sitting and talking and all of a sudden I look over at the displayed bookshelf with the glass and they're all laying down and I freak out. I'm like, oh my God, they moved. We've got to get rid of them, Chris. We've got to get rid of them right now. And he's like, all right, all right, what do you want me to do? We got to get the brown paper bag. We got like, how do we get rid of this? And I'm like freaking out. And then all of a sudden he just busts out laughing because he moved them on purpose. And I was like, this is the kind of relationship we had. And I, of course, laughed with him. And we had always had so much fun together. And I'm going to share more about Chris in this podcast. And, uh, and probably get emotional about it as well. Because he's no longer with us. But 
that's the kind of relationship we had, a very supportive, loving, incredible relationship. And when that relationship ended, it devastated me. And so here I was living in Chelsea and hearing my name called and turning around and nobody would be there or hearing the whispering and being super sensitive and not knowing what was going on, still not clear that this is what happens to mediums or psychics when you start really opening up the door again or when they decide to open up the door for you. And it usually happens around, I've heard a lot of psychics say this, around the early 30s. And that was the time for me. So even though I was delving into tarot cards in my late 20s and I knew I was psychic because things would happen and I had precognitive dreaming, which I'll go into in another episode, I still couldn't get a grasp of what was happening. You know, it was so fleeting. It was so in and out. One moment I'd be on and I'd be psychically telling someone and the next one I'd be so off and I'd be like, man, I suck at this. So I was sitting in my bedroom one day and I went to leave and the door was locked. Now there was no lock on this door and I was stuck in the room. And I had no way of getting out because there was an air conditioner in the only window. And I couldn't lift that air conditioner. And that's where the fire escape was. And I started panicking. I was like, how the frig am I going to get out of this room? And I kept grabbing on the doorknob and grabbing on the doorknob. It just makes things worse because then the damn friggin' doorknobs fall off. And I didn't know how the heck to get out of there. And I had no phone in there. I couldn't like... I, I, it didn't occur to me, like, maybe push the air conditioner out because I knew the friggin' thing was always so heavy. And, and in my lifetime, we always had to get a guy to put those damn things into the window. And then I found these scissors. And I started just chipping away at that door like a friggin' maniac because I was feeling like a trapped rat. And I chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped for like an hour. I mean, my hands were bleeding. And I finally broke through the door and I didn't realize like what was happening until I moved out of LA I moved out of New York and I went to LA so after 9-11 I was planning on going to LA for three months and I finally when I could fly went to LA for three months and was like I am never going back to New York City I am done with New York City that whole 9-11 thing scared the crap out of me so I went back to New York and packed up my stuff and during that time one of my exes passed away which was really kind of difficult for me because I never fully closed that door in my heart and never had closure with him and this is going to play out later on too because you got a few ex boyfriends around in spirit they love to come around and mess with you especially when you start opening up your mediumship ability so i left new york and there's more to that story that we'll talk about another time and i moved to la and i moved into this apartment and all of a sudden the shit started hitting the fan like i started seeing the word ghost everywhere i went or i started hearing the word ghost People were calling my name and I would turn around and nobody would be there. My bed would start shaking. Now, that happened in an apartment that I lived in, a haunted apartment in Brooklyn. But now it was happening all the time. And then something else started happening. I started getting locked in rooms for no apparent reason. The door would be closed, but all of a sudden it'd be locked. And I would have to figure out how to get out of the room. And usually it would be jiggling, jiggling, jiggling the doorknob and then finally it would break open. 
One day I got locked in the bathroom of my apartment. I couldn't get out. And I had to scream out the window for someone to come get me. And my neighbor came and got me out of the room, out of the bathroom. And it happened so much so that my building manager was like, what is with you and all these friggin' doors? And I was like, I don't know. There is something up with these doors. I had screwdrivers in every single room because I was getting so tired of getting locked in rooms. And then as you know, I walked into a door and got seven stitches in my head. And that's when I was like, something is up. And that's when I went to see the psychic, Mitra, beautiful psychic in LA. And she said, the dead are trying to reach you. And then I went to a medium and I'm not gonna share her name because she ended up being not so integral. And she told me the dead were trying to reach me. And I was really losing it at this point. I was freaking out, I was scared. Now when I say losing it, I don't mean, I still had a job, I still was pursuing my acting, I was still had friendships, I had all this stuff going on, but I was really uncomfortable inside. I did not understand what was happening to me. I remember so much so like, I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be people talking in my room. And I'd be like, who the heck is that? And they were like voices that just come out of the air. And I would, I had a remote control radio that I would try turning off with the remote and it wasn't on. And then I'd go and unplug it and the voices were still happening. And I didn't know that this was clairaudience. This is clear hearing. This is when your clairaudience is opening up. And my clairaudience was opening up way before this. And that happens when your ear gets clogged or um, your throat, you start having throat problems because clairaudience lives in your throat. And I didn't know any of this. And when I went to this medium and she told me that I was a medium and I said to her at the end of the reading, I need help. I need to know what to do because I am scared. They are constantly in my apartment. They are constantly around me because I got it then. And I, I believe I left that appointment and went back to her and I was like, we've got to do something. We've got to get rid of them. So she started sharing with me ways to get rid of them. She's like, okay, work with me. Gave me a price to work with her and I will help you to get rid of them. So she told me how to get rid of them, which I'm going to share with you. But I want to go back to Claire Audience a second because I think this is a great learning tool for all of you. So Claire Audience lives in our throat chakra and um, our throat chakra is light blue. And Claire Audience, there's many different ways that Claire Audience can open up. Claire Audience can be, like I said in the last episode, waking up with a song in your head and those are your guides or loved ones communicating with you. And you should, I suggest to my students, you know, go and read those lyrics because those lyrics, there's going to be a message in there for you. Or even listen, I would do both, listen to the song, because the vibration of the song is going to do something to your soul. It's going to wake you up in a way. So before I knew any of this was happening, I was working for MTV Networks, and it was uh, during Fly 2K. So it was during uh, 1999 to 2000, and we were going to take this big, big trip. We did take this big trip to all these different countries. And I was in, um, I had to go to Vancouver to meet with the, the people that were going to be flying the plane. We were renting a plane out of Canada. It was all these contestants. We were taking them with us. Um, they won this trip, you know, to Finland, England, Paris, and Rome. It was Finland, 
Paris, Rome, and England was the last stop. And this is when my psychic ability was really starting to open up, but I had no clue still. I know I'm jumping timelines, but if you ever read a memoir, that's what they tell you to do, so I'm just doing it. Um, and so I was in Vancouver, and my ear was clogged, seriously, seriously clogged, so I couldn't fly. And everybody left me, and read all the MTV people left me, and uh, I was stuck in Vancouver. And the day went by, and another, I think it was like two days, and I was like, I've got to get out of here. I can't stay here. I want to get home. So I called my doctor, an incredible doctor in Manhattan, Dr. Woodson Merrill. And he told me what to do to fly on the plane, which I'm not going to say, just in case it's not the advice for everyone. And I did what he told me to do, and it was totally fine, because he was like, you don't want your eardrum to pop in the plane. And so then he sent me to the best ENT person in Manhattan. She is phenomenal. Um can't remember her name right now. I can't remember why. Dr. Corvin. She was like, you know, I think Woody Allen and Celine Dion's doctor. Phenomenal woman, sweetest woman in the world. And I went to go see her and I was like, because the other thing that started happening to me is I'd be on the phone with people and they'd be talking, but I couldn't understand a word they were saying. Not a word. And I'd be like, what? What are you saying? What? Huh? And the volume was fine. Be hitting the volume on the phone. But I couldn't understand them. This is a part of Claire audience. So I went to see Dr. Corvin, and uh, she did a hearing test, and she said, "Your hearing's superb. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's beyond anything." And I was like, "Well, I can't hear things, and my ear was clogged." And they put a little tube in my ear to drain it, and I went and had another hearing test, and she's like, "Your hearing test, your hearing is perfect. It's unbelievable." Little did I know that that was the opening of the door of Claire Audience. That's how they get your attention. That's how they say, hey, listen differently. Pay attention. The ringing in your ear, the uh, <clears throat> clearing of the throat is the clearing of this gift. So I'm going to take you back to the medium. So I'm working with the medium to get normal and to get these spirits out of my friggin' house. And, and literally, I was so Brooklyn that I would be sitting in my house going, get the fuck out of here. I would scream like a maniac. They would be at my door. I'll never forget opening my back door, and there was just a spirit just hanging out there by the screen door. And I was like, get the fuck out of here now. You are not allowed in here. I would scream like that because it was the only thing I knew how to do. I was so Brooklyn <laughs> in a way, like, which I love that part of myself, you know, but I was a street Brooklyn girl. Even though I went to private Catholic school, I was still a little street fighter. And uh, that was what I knew what to do. And I was like, you've got to tell me what to do because they're just constantly coming in. Now, something she didn't share with me that I'm going to share with all of you that I teach my students is if you remain curious that's an energy that keeps them there. And I didn't know this until intuitively it struck me. And then my guides taught me more. My guides are teaching guides, so they taught me a lot. Because a lot the internet wasn't around back then, and there weren't a lot of books about clairaudience and all this kind of craziness that were happening, or at least I wasn't finding them. So she told me to get an egg and put the egg in distilled water in the rooms that the ghosts were in. And then after a week, I had to take the egg and put it in a brown paper bag. Kid you not, I was like, oh my God, that's what the brown paper bag is about. Put it in a brown paper bag and drive it two miles away and throw it out. So I had to, I had an egg in my bedroom 
an ache in my living room because that was the most active. My bedroom, I believe there was a portal in the closet, could not stand it. I had to put salt in the doorways because the portal, I knew they were coming through that. And I had to have a black light, a certain black light with pink wire to attract the spirits. So I slept with the black light on. You got to be really careful with black lights. They get really, really hot. I had the egg. So the spirits would go to the egg and leave me alone. And every week I would have to take that egg out of the water, put it in a brown paper bag, drive two miles. I would clock it on my car and toss it out. And then I would run, like get back in my car right away. <coughs> but if the egg, <clears throat> if the egg cracked, you had to get rid of that egg right away. There was something wrong. That egg had to get out of your house. So there were weeks there that I was throwing that egg out all over LA. And I remember I had a cleaning woman and I'd be like, I had prayer cards everywhere, salt everywhere, black lights, eggs. She must have thought I was insane, but I didn't care. It was working. Now, do I think those tools are necessary? I think those tools empowered me. And I learned about my free will. That if you're not allowed in my house, spirit, you're not allowed in my house, period. And I'll teach more about this down the line. So one night, it's midnight, and I look at the egg, and it's cracked. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. There is no way. I am putting that egg in a bag right now and driving two miles. I am not going to do that. So I put the egg in the brown paper bag. I taped it up with gaffer's tape, big black duct tape. And I went downstairs and I stuck it in the communal mailbox. I figured it was safe because it was in a metal mailbox and it was all taped up. And the next morning I wake up and what's at my doorstep? The taped up egg. And I was like, holy shit. So I threw it in my car, drove two miles, got rid of it. Eventually, I didn't need the eggs anymore. Eventually, I didn't need the salt or the black light because I, emp I empowered myself. I learned, and I learned this mainly through my guides. I started channeling pretty quickly, and I'll share that also down the line. I know I keep like teasing, teasing, teasing. I'm not doing it on purpose. I, I don't, I, I think if I shared everything in one episode, I'd be here for 24 hours and so would you. Um, but I learned how to feel empowered, how my belief system is this is free will. Nothing is allowed in my house if I don't want it there. Now I do work with different ascended masters and archangels to clear the space and I clear it at a five mile radius, which I'll explain. But most importantly, what I wanna share with you is it is so important to know that you have the right to tell anything to go. You have the right to tell it to leave. And when I learned that, I was like, I am not interested in any lower level energy hanging out in my house. You are not allowed in here. So the reason why I do the five mile radius is the same apartment where I opened up, I would be sleeping in my bed and I could feel the spirits. So maybe some of you don't know what it feels like. It is like you're not alone. It's unnerving. You feel what they want you to feel. I was able to see them too, which we haven't really gotten into. Um, 
you just can feel them all around you. Now, now when a spirit comes in, they are up against my back. It's like, dude, back up, get off my back. It's the strangest thing how they kind of like energetically just <laughs> right on you. And I'm like, go. So then it was like, I had to learn how to shut down my apartment. I do this whole thing to shut down my apartment with light and coloring the walls and, and just shutting it down. But I didn't know to shut down my car, shut down my animals. I didn't know any of this. So I shut down my apartment and it was rainy night and I forgot to shut down my car. I didn't know I was supposed to shut down my car actually. And I went downstairs the next day and all my windows were open and my car was flooded. And I, I didn't have one of those cars where there's one button and all the windows come down. I was driving in the rain when I went home that night, so I know the windows were up. And that's when I realized, oh, I gotta shut down my car. And I start when now when I shut down my house, if something's trying to come in or an energy's coming in, I shut it down at a five mile radius. Why five miles? I don't know. That's one of those intuitive things that I know about how to do this work. It's just intuitive in me. I, I know my guides are teaching guides. So what does that mean? My guides taught me a lot and I'm able to teach others. They knew that I was going to be teaching this material. So they're specific, these teaching guides that teach me how to do things and what things mean and how the symbolic language of your soul and what a soul's list is and all that stuff that I teach in my programs. So, um, they taught me to do it at a five mile radius. And I learned, I was like, oh, I'll never do that again. I'm not just gonna set, shut down my apartment. When I bought my house in Sherman Oaks, I was already doing this work for quite some time. So I was already a full-time medium. I was doing readings all the time. Um, I was doing space clearings. I'm really good at space. And I was all, I was just doing so much. I was, it was like, it, I was a full-time job. Once I decided to do this, it was full-time for me from the get-go. And I was in my house in Sherman Oaks and I put protection around it because I had known you're like a lighthouse. Any medium that moves into a new area, all the spirits are like, oh, look, it's a lighthouse. It's a medium. Let's go. And they all like kind of like the way they attach to your back, they attach to your window. So I shut down everything in Sherman Oaks because I was like, I, I, I can't be bothered with this right now. I'm dealing with construction, a new puppy, insanity. Um, we're getting rid of this. And I'll never forget two things that happened. One, I had a friend come over who was a healer and she walked into the house and she's like, do you have protection around this house? Because I drove by your house like five times, I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh yeah, I do. I do have protection around. And she goes, well, it's working because I couldn't find it. Then one night on Halloween, my neighborhood was really good for trick-or-treating and I love Halloween. And I'm standing outside with my friends and we have candy and the house is lit up. And um, we're all like excited and we see the trick-or-treaters across the street and they'd come over about to cross over the street to my house and then they would turn away. And by the third time this happened, I went, oh, I got to lift the protection. And they were all healers and psychics. So we were laughing and I lifted the protection and then the, all the trick-or-treaters started coming. So you can protect your house and apartment and your living space in such a way that nothing can come in, even protect it from people. So I learned all these things. So what I'm going to leave you with today is you've got the locked in the room stories, which was insane, absolutely insane. Um, 
you learned a little bit about clairaudience, clairhearing, and a little bit about protection. And the main thing I want to leave you with is the free will part. I, I do not subscribe to the belief that I don't have the power and um, stuff can come in and you may subscribe to that. That's okay. I'm not here to tell you what's wrong or right. I'm here to tell you what I believe. And um, I believe that nothing can get in that I don't want in, that I'm not inviting in. There'll even be times, um, I've done a lot of dream work. I've studied dream work for over 10 years, and we're going to talk about dreams soon. But there'll be times when I'm in a dream, deep, deep, deep in a dream. And I could feel spirits trying to come into my bedroom. Just because I have protection around it doesn't mean that that protection barrier doesn't break for whatever reason and things don't come in. And I'll be deep in my dream and I could feel the spirits. And in my dream, I'll start shutting down my house. It's so in me now. It's so habitual that I don't even wake up. I don't break the dream state. I could be in a dream like on some beautiful island like doing something and I'm shutting down my house. This language that you learn is so multi-layered. It's not a linear language. It's such a multi-dimensional way of living. So I can be in a dream state dimension, yet in a conscious dimension, I could be shutting down my house. It's a really fascinating way to live. Even in readings, when I used to do readings, um, I only do them in my paid programs now, I would have such a multi-conversation. I'd be talking to my guides who are talking to their guides. I'd be giving them the information and then my own guides would be teaching me something and then I'd be picking up the energy around the room and all this stuff. And I'm going to explain mediumship versus psychic ability. There's so much to uncover with all of you. So I forgot my tagline, which I meant to say, but this is all new to me. So next time we're going to be talking more about dreaming and precognitive dreaming and clairvoyancy and how that showed up for me and i hope to teach you some more about clear seeing clairvoyancy in the next episode so who can it be now i don't know let's open the door and see i'll see you next time <laughs>